0: Welcome to One Stop Shop,
1: a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all your tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit convergio.com. On today's episode, we talk about conversion rate optimization with Kurt Elster.
0: Kurt Alistair is a Shopify Plus expert and senior e-commerce strategist who helps Shopify store owners find hidden profits in their websites. He is the founder of EtherCycle and host of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Kurt about conversion rate optimization and how he created two viral sites that exceeded a million hits in their first week. Hey, Kurt, how are
2: you? I'm well, thank you for having me.
0: All right, tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do.
2: I've owned an internet business for the last 10 years. I ten years ago I quit my job as an e-commerce product manager to try and build my own e-commerce platform. And I quickly discovered I had bit off more than I could chew. And to keep the lights on, I started uh, started developing websites and you know, flash forward about two about three years ago. I started working exclusively on Shopify, and now I'm a, a Shopify Plus expert. Um, I've worked, my largest client is, uh, Jay Leno and his car care line, which is on Shopify plus. And, uh, I host probably best known for hosting the unofficial Shopify podcast, um, which is just, you know, free and similar to the show just provides a lot of value to, to store owners with interviews with other store owners and e-commerce professionals.
0: I wanted to ask you actually, you said that you focus on Shopify plus,
2: uh, I focus on, on Shopify or Shopify plus Experts is our official designated Shopify status.
0: Okay, how would you say is the difference or benefit of having a Shopify Plus versus Shopify? I know this is not related to the topic that we're going to be discussing today, but I, I'm I'm personally curious about the differences and if it, it would be worth it to go for a Shopify Plus store rather than a Shopify regular Shopify
2: account. Sure. So it, fundamentally, it's the it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's the same platform, but Shopify Plus extends it with the several other features. That are typically needed or wanted by enterprise platforms. But some examples would be so, you know, it is significantly more expensive than standard Shopify, but in return, it's adding a lot of value. So, for larger brands, so reduced transaction fees oftentimes on a large store will more than pay for. Uh, the increased monthly fee. We've got a couple really big clients who switched for just that reason. And then it adds some enterprise features like uh, there's a dedicated wholesale channel. You get the branded checkout. A lot of people like that. So when people go to checkout in Shopify, it no longer says checkout.shopify.com and has your domain name. You get more flexibility where you can modify the checkout process a little bit more. Avalar tax integration, which is like a very enterprisey need. Uh, Several other features I have detailed on. Ethercycle.com slash plus has a I wrote out my own, like, okay, these are my favorite Shopify Plus features that I like. but And then you get ded- a dedicated support rep. So sometimes it's worth it for some brands just to have have that risk reversal and that they have one key point of contact for all of their Shopify needs, which is, it's nice to have.
1: So the, the focus of today's show is conversion rate optimization. And I'd like to create a little bit of a baseline for our listeners understanding. First of all, what is conversion rate optimization?
2: Sure. So the percentage of visitors to your website who make a purchase, we refer to that as your conversion rate. How many people did we convert from visitor to customer? Conversion rate optimization is really a is a, a catch-all term for uh, a process, a methodology, tools, you know, tactics, etc., to just try and with a an un, an existing store try and raise that conversion rate. And truthfully, it's a very broad topic, much like uh, search engine optimization. But the goal is just, hey, we've already got traffic. You know, let's let someone else worry about building more traffic. Let's try and figure out ways to capitalize on that traffic, provide a better experience, and turn more people into
1: customers. Business owners clearly have a lot to focus on. At what phase should they take CRO seriously?
2: Good question. So early on, you just want to, you know, you just want to build your store and validate your product market fit. If I can get out there and I can get to say, you know if I can make my first sale awesome, and then I want to sell, then I want to start scaling. So I sell more. If I can get to, say, you know one hundred and fifty visitors a day over thirty days, all right, now i we, we consider that a validated store. That's where someone should be seeing a sale every day. And now it's time where you could start scaling up your business. Um, I like conversion rate optimization. You know ideally, when you're at the when you start getting toward the end of the line where it's like there's no more really obvious low-hanging fruit, um to to add revenue to your business. Um, that's when I, I like to start looking at conversion rate optimization. But you could do it early on. As soon as you have you know a steady stream of traffic that's buying every day, you could start trying to provide them a better experience. And that's really like fundamentally, that's what conversion rate optimization is doing. there's no There's no magic wand you can wave that's just gonna make visitors blindly you know hypnotize people and they blindly start buying from you. It really, it's about finding ways to make the whole thing easier to make it more, uh, to give people more more confidence in buying from you, to make it easier for them to buy from you uh, and those things. And ultimately, that's going to result in a better experience for them, which will then in turn increase your conversion rate.
1: Could you give us some examples of low-hanging fruit? Good
2: question. Hmm. Everything is about priorities. So if I, whenever I, I look at a store, I audit a store, look at um, or talk to a, a store owner, we're always looking for, okay, what is the, the highest ROI opportunity, and oftentimes that means the quickest. So I'm looking for, that's how I'm defining low-hanging fruit before I get into, like, all right, you know, there's conversion rate optimization. So sometimes it could be, um, and I suppose that, well, and I suppose ultimately because it increases conversion rate, this is part of um, conversion rate optimization, but, you know, having... Just a, having a premium theme, you know, a professional look to your store, Having making sure nothing's broken. I mean, you would be surprised how often I see stores with stuff that just blatantly doesn't work, um, that, you know, no one had considered or, or messed with. Um, yeah, typically that's what I look for is just like, all right, what's the stuff that is very obviously a barrier, a speed bump, a roadblock to someone making a purchase? And typically it's, you know, something is broken, um, something makes it difficult for someone to make that purchase decision.
1: So what I'm hearing then is once you have a quality store set up and you're seeing at least a decent flow of traffic, that's a good time to take it seriously?
2: Yes. And the reason being, um, there, there are two factors that are going to predominantly affect conversion rate. And number one is quality of traffic. When we say conversion rate optimization, this can often refer to um, uh, traffic generation opportunities, you know, depending on, hey, let's look at, let's break up our traffic and let's figure, and this is where it can get advanced, you know, like looking at Google Analytics, hey, which which cohort of our traffic, which segment are the people who are most likely to buy? Okay, why is that? Can we get more of those people through similar traffic sources or invest more in whatever that that winning traffic source is? All right, so that's one part of it. Um and then the other would be the actual site experience itself. You know, What can we do to bust people's objections? What questions do they have that we're not answering? You know, Even adding an FAQ to a product description, that could be conversion rate optimization. Um, and then the overall site experience where the faster, if we can make it easier to find a product, the faster we get someone looking for a product or to a product page, maybe they don't buy that product, but they're more likely to buy overall we've established the
1: kind of the point at which a um, store owner should pay attention to conversion rate optimization. What are the types of questions either you would ask them um, to kind of help them along this journey to begin CRO or what types of questions should
2: they be asking themselves? So fundamentally the only question you have to ask yourself, the only question that conversion rate optimization seeks to answer is why are people not buying And if you know, okay, so you can work backwards. If you know why people don't buy, if you know what their objections are, you can figure that out via uh, surveys. You can figure that out if you have a live chat. That's a great way to do it. Um, Or, you know, anything in terms of support, like people uh, submitting questions to you, people calling you on the phone. I keep, you know, I, I recommend people keep a notepad next to your phone. When someone calls and asks you a question about the product before they buy, guaranteed for every person who asks, There's 10 people who had that same question and just decided not to buy. They didn't ask you. So if you can answer those questions, those are the reasons people aren't buying. And that could be, you know, maybe you need to add uh, a video explaining something about the product or, you know, a 360 view of the product or, you know, there's, or maybe it's just an FAQ or you include it in the product description. There's a lot of ways to go about it. So, I mean, the the very first level I think is uh, to figure out, hey, what, you know, what's stopping people? from buying and can we bust those objections can we answer those questions um but some of the questions i would ask are you know do we know who our our ideal buyer is and can we can we help hold up the mirror so um one one great trick here is you know once you have validated the product and you're selling you need to know more about the reasons why people are buying so i like to uh, edit the order confirmation email we know full well that um The order confirmation email, the receipt email is the number one most opened email ever. For whatever reason, people can't resist checking the receipt. And I think it's to make sure, hey, I ordered the right thing, right? They're just double checking that they got the right stuff. Well, that's a great opportunity to ask them two questions. Uh, One would be, hey, what kind of person would you recommend my product to? Well, when people talk, when you ask that question, it's it's kind of a leading way to find out how they view themselves. If you just say, like, what do you like? You know, it's kind of a weird thing. But if you say, oh, what kind of person would you recommend this to, you're going to get interesting answers back. And you could try just doing this in plain text or send them to like a quick two-question survey form. Um, But if you could find out, like if you find out that, you're going to see how they view themselves. Okay. And then the other one would be, uh, you know, when you recommend it to someone, what benefit would they get out of it? Well, that question is going to tell you why they're buying. So if I know just those two things, and let's say I even just get 10 people to answer these two questions, well, a pattern will emerge there. So we could take that information and now hold up the mirror. So maybe the first step in, in optimizing conversion to your site is figuring out a better headline for your, uh, for your homepage or figuring out a better title for the product or answering you know in bullet points in the product descriptions the reasons why someone might want to buy your product. And even better is to use the language that your customers use, right? So we can really relate to them. So if there are common phrases that appear in those questions, oh man, let's use those. Just copy and paste that stuff. We don't even need to do some copywriting, just some copy editing. Copy and paste the answers they gave you. Include that in your product description because that's how your best your best customers, the people who are buying from you and engaging with you, that's how they talk, how they see themselves, and why they bought your stuff. So hold up the mirror. Put all that info back into your copy. And then earlier I said the quality of traffic is a really important factor of conversion rate. Well, maybe we can get better. Let's say you've got Facebook ads. and You're using Facebook ads to get your traffic. Okay, same deal. Copy and paste those reasons and work those into your headlines and Facebook ads. So now we're going to get more of the uh, more of the people who are already buying from us by talking like them, by acting like them, by using their reasons. Let's get them to the site. I have a a good real world example I can give you of this in action to kind of solidify it. Would that be helpful? Sure. So I've got. Um, we worked on. Uh, for several years, we worked on a site called Everestbands.com. Everest, like the mountain bands, like rubber bands. And they have, um, they sell uh, replacement rubber straps for Rolex. And so you've got, uh, you know, you spent three grand on a, a used Rolex Submariner and then you don't want the, you don't want the, the jangly seal bracelet. You want to put this rubber strap on and they're like two, 300 bucks. And we worked with them and we were improving the, doing conversion rate optimization by just making the site easier to use, trying to help people find the right product quicker. And that worked well. And then we sent out a survey. And we had just assumed that the people who were buying the, the product were were watch nerds, were people who just wanted to, to customize, who wanted a, a different look for their watch. And you know they wanted to modernize it, I think was our idea, was that Rolexes are a little stodgy because they're this heritage brand. And by putting a bright orange rubber strap on it, we make it look cool. So that was kind of our, our sales pitch on it. When we did, we got, uh, we sent out the survey in a newsletter and we got hundreds of responses and I went through it and it became very clear. An interesting thing happened when we said, who would you recommend it to? They kept saying, um, uh, athletic people, uh, people into sports, people who want to never take the Rolex off. And what was happening, yep. we were totally wrong. They didn't want to scratch up the steel bracelet, but they wanted to wear the watch all the time. So they bought, bought this nice. Uh, rubber bracelet because it was much more durable. So, oh my gosh. So, we started, ta- that led to, and you know, we started, and it was for all these active people. They're like, oh, I go swimming with it, or I go golfing with it. Like, they were doing, running their everyday life with this multi-thousand dollar watch strapped to their wrist, and they didn't yeah. want to mess it up. So, we went back and we changed a bunch of the photos on the site like i i wore the a rolex and i wore the strap and i took some photos of myself on a mountain bike i put the watch in a puddle in a parking lot i took a picture of it and we put all that stuff up on the site and in ads that and then used you know a bunch of the language about like hey you're going to preserve your bracelet and this is for an active lifestyle that kind of stuff we doubled the conversion rate by changing the photos and copy because it changed the positioning statement and it was never how we envisioned or even thought the product was being used but we had to ask the customers and find out hey you know, who's this for and why, why are you buying it? That's brilliant.
0: All right. So your site says that you've created two viral sites, which had more than 1 million hits in their first week. Was this site that you were talking about Everest bands, one of them?
2: No. So truthfully, those are, um, those were before our Shopify days. One was calmingmanatee.com, which, uh, is unchanged really since we put it up, but it is just, it was at the time with 10 images of manatees with encouraging warm captions, done in a, a cat style. And it was a joke. We put it up and a week later, for whatever reason, Pee Wee Herman tweeted it. Um, and very rapidly the thing got, you know, within the first month it had a million hits. And then late, like years later we had people asking us for interviews. Um, and there was someone who claimed that they had researched it and felt that we created the advice animal category. <laughs> and the, the, you know, we just did it cause we thought it was funny, but you know, to this point of like figure out why people are looking at it and who they are. We did it cause we thought it was funny and it turned out the the people using it, you know, it was mainly a a younger female audience who was using it, well, for, for good feelings because it was warm and, and comfortable and funny. It was really, it was quite, quite magical. And the other one was uh, Rainy Cafe, which, you know, if you, you do a lot of work um, on a computer, you know, sometimes people work in a cafe because the, it turns out research tells us that having background noise, a little bit of background noise helps you focus because it's a distraction. Used to put up two websites. One was called RainyMood.com, played rain noise for my own work, and the other was called coffee TV played cafe noise. And I would run these two together. And one had a memory leak and annoyed me. I said, "You know, what? I could build it myself better." So I made a site called Rainy Cafe, played. I made a loop, played rain noise, made a loop of cafe noise, put those together, and then I sent one. So I made it for myself. Early on, you're your own best customer. Sent it off to Lifehacker, and they posted it. And within a day, we got a million hits, and it crashed the server. <laughs> And then, but again, it, it, I built it for me. I built it for other other web designers, I suppose. But the people who loved it were writers. I had no idea. It was co- uh, people, you know, bloggers, copywriters were the ones who really really supported it and have continued to support it.
0: It sounds like you've done all this. If you're saying it's before the Shopify days, then it was probably a long time ago. I'm assuming it's been a while at least.
2: Or yeah, this- I think those sites were. I think Call Me Manatee was done in probably 2013. Same with Rainy Cafe, I believe. So it's
0: not as old as I thought it would be. Okay, all right.
2: No, about five years ago.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it was like all good feelings and stuff, but what I'm curious about is what, if anything, did they teach you about conversion rate optimization? What lessons can you share from these two experiences? Because I think a lot of people who are listening now are really curious what they can do to emulate the results that you got on these two sites.
2: Well, number one, is you have to experiment. So the thing I leave out is, so we had... You know for these two sites that did extraordinary you know, results, there are a whole bunch of mediocre ones that came before it and a whole bunch of of several that just got no results at all. So you know number one, I look for in e-commerce in general, um, the the pattern for successful stores and businesses, I see, is people look for a pain or problem in their own life. you know something where they just one day say, "You know what? I could do that better. Why doesn't so or they say why doesn't someone do that better? Maybe I could do that better. okay. And that was, we saw that. That's what happened when I built that um, Rainy Cafe website is because the other two, one had a memory leak, kept crashing Firefox. So then if you go turn around and, and use that, you know, beca- build that first product to solve that pain or problem for yourself, be your own best customer, that works pretty well. But then once you put it out into the wild and someone else, you know, you get other people who validate it, who like it, fantastic. You don't know how they're going to use it. And this is true of your products. It is true of your website. It is true of everything. You really have no idea. Like we have a best guess and an intent on how people will use it, but once we put it out there, they're going to use it differently um, than you anticipated. So for me, I you know never suspected um, that Calming Manatee would genuinely help people's lives. You know, like Rainy Cafe didn't think it would become you know this thing that that writers use to to keep themselves on track, but that's how they ended up using it. So if you could figure that stuff out. Um, and then start, get out of your own way, let go of your ego, and start building for your customers instead of yourself at some point. You know, that's that switch you have to flip uh, mindset-wise to scale. That could be hugely beneficial. And that's where, um, you know, when we say how they use it, well, the product themselves, that's where we did you know the survey for Everspans and had to change course and how we described it and talked about it, because people were using it very differently than we thought. Or, you know, how they use the website itself, you know, the way you browse the website you probably have you look at the website more than anybody else there's literally no one on earth who looks at your website more than you do when you own it right sure. so you quickly you can't see the forest through the trees and you quickly become immune to any oddities workarounds strange things the website does and that's where you want to look at you know how people use it so shoulder surfing you know Giving someone a task on your website, saying, "Hey, start at the homepage and buy this product," and then watch them try to do it—it it is maddening because you want to jump in and go, well, You're doing it wrong." No, they're doing it right. You built it wrong for them, and you had no idea, and that's okay. So then, if you you know you know take notes on that and revise the site based on that, ah, okay, now we're getting into uh, optimizing the the flow of the site and the user experience and customer experience and that stuff um, that can help help with conversion rate optimization. And the other easy one I like is heat mapping. Heat mapping is where you could get uh, an image of a, a page on your site and it shows you based on you know where people's mouse goes, where they click, you could see what stuff people are commonly clicking on. So if there's items on your page that no one clicks on that you fell in love with, but no one uses, why is that stuff there? Strip that out if no one's using it. Just because you love it doesn't matter. And then things, you know, maybe there's stuff that people are clicking on that you never, you never thought should be clicked. Okay, well maybe we have to you, know, you should make those elements clickable. I think ultimately, uh, it taught me to to get out of your own way. You can't force people to to use a a site or product in one particular way. You have to embrace it.
0: Absolutely, it reminds me of one of the episodes that Jeff and I had um, a few months ago. Uh, Dapper and Don. He has a store. He's selling. Well, he's actually helping men find grooming products. And he also said something similar to this, that when he had the idea initially, it was completely different, but then he listened to feedback. He actually went as far as inviting friends and just, you know, different guys to like, hey, I'll buy you a coffee if you tell me what you think about this product kind of thing because he was just starting out and he couldn't do something more elaborate like let's say fullstory.com mm-hmm. is one option if someone is willing to pay or able to pay let's say $200 a month to watch what their customers are doing on their website. They can do that. There are different apps and services that people can use to see what the customers are doing on the site and how they're using it. But if not, it's like what you said is a great idea. Just talking to people and, and getting feedback directly from from people. And and even if you have to go on Fiverr and pay someone $5 and say, hey, you know, just let me know what you're thinking about my site while you're using it. Um, right. And there
2: are tools to do. Um, usertesting.com is one where you yep. could pay it'll do the screen recording um but then you can pay and they will recruit people to test the site for you and give you feedback
0: all right so let's say like if somebody wants to get started um down this this road what aspects or areas of your website should be prioritized for improving um, cro
2: so i like to work backwards i mean i start at the checkout process because i if you look at your your sales funnel and shopify will show you this you can see you, know, you get progressively more people dropping off. So let's say your conversion rate is 1%. If 1% of people purchased, 2% to reach checkout, um, and 4% of people to add a product to cart. So typically you see like in each stage of the funnel, you'll lose about half the traffic. And if it's dramatically more than that, that tells you, oh, okay, that's where the problem is, that's where I should start. Um, so if, say, you had 10% of people adding to cart, but only 1% of people purchasing, well, that tells you in between that cart page, Or that checkout page, that's where the problem is. You know, you've got good traffic and a good product that they want to add, and then there's something in the cart or the checkout process that scares them, right? So I like to work backwards, start with the the checkout process. And you know, number one, I see a ton of stores that don't style the checkout. Oh my gosh, it's a missed opportunity. You know, you could pick the colors to match your your site. So use the same for your call to action buttons use the same color and use color isolation theory pick one single color that you use for the checkout buttons for your proceed to checkout button in the cart and your add to cart button and the cart itself that icon that's usually in the top right that helps considerably in improving the site and then make sure your shipping rules are clear and concise and make sense and so that you don't have 10 of them you know I like to just do hey here's our free shipping rate and here's our quicker upgraded paid shipping rates just give them two options reduce their total number of choices there and another nice hack you could do in the Shopify checkout is they let you upload a custom logo okay if you've got that custom logo up there you know they don't let us customize the checkout but we can edit we can mess with this logo so don't just add your logo why not stick uh stick your phone number on there so get a toll-free number that's an indicator of professionalism right it costs 30 bucks a month from say grasshopper or ring central Get a toll free number, and then add a little tagline underneath that, that checkout logo that says, "Questions? Call us toll free," and include your your number. And it's not that you know no one pays for long distance anymore; they don't care. Just the act of having a toll free number speaks to professionalism. And then you're not going to get inundated with calls, right? They don't. And if you do, that's a great problem to have. But they, most people just want to know that you're available if they have a problem, not that they actually want to or need to call you right then. They just want to know they can right there you know, are a handful of easy changes anyone can do to their checkout process. So if we get someone that far, great, we're not gonna lose them because our checkout is is this smooth, clean experience. So then before that we've got the cart. Well, in the cart, typically the painful part about it is they have too many elements in there. By default, Shopify sticks this notes field in there that nobody uses. Just turn that off. Get rid of that. Many themes include a shipping calculator, which I find very confusing. Get rid of that thing. They'll, And by default, they'll include this strange note that says, like, subtotal, then excluding shipping and checkout. All that does is scare people. All they're saying is, well, it's going to be more than this price, but we can't tell you how much yet. Instead <laughs> of that thing, I like to include a little bit of liquid logic. You could do a free shipping calculator. So say you're, you've got a free shipping threshold of 50 bucks and you've got, uh, someone has a cart that's 30 bucks, a little bit of code. will add a note that says, um, uh, like you're $20 away from free shipping. So, or if it goes over 50 bucks, you qualified for free shipping. So reward them for this, um, you know, reward them, make things very obvious and very clear by stripping away all the extraneous nonsense, um, that can build up in carts. And if you want to get really fancy, you can mess with the, the template a little bit to start hiding other elements like you know a footer navigation, um, unnecessary stuff to just get them focused on clicking that the checkout button. Really the cart's sole job is just to shepherd them into the checkout process. Each page and you know, once they've added a cart, each page has a job and it's just to get them to the next page. Getting rid of anything extraneous makes their lives easier, makes it easier on everybody involved. And then on the the product page itself, some minor things. You want to have longer product descriptions. You want to have great photos. Uh, If you can add a video, I mean, this is where people can't go into your store, right? They can't see the product. They can't touch the product. So you want to give them as much information as possible. I don't think more, more is more, right? Uh, If you look at any Amazon product page, there's a ton of info in there to help you make a decision. You could do this. There's no reason you can't do the same thing on your Shopify store. So product reviews to increase trust. Um, if you have a return policy, satisfaction guarantee, anything that can reverse the risk for the customer, include that in the product description. If it's a product that has sizing, make sure you make it very clear. Include a size chart. And oftentimes, if you do, people might miss it. All right, well, they didn't miss it. You hit it. So if you have a size chart, just take a screenshot of it, include it as one of the product photos. Everybody looks through their product photos. If you want to get really fancy, you can include uh, a 360-degree uh, photo of your spinning carousel photo of your your product. That could be beneficial. Um, there's plenty of tutorials out there on how to make those 360 products. But essentially, you want to answer answer any question a customer could have on your product page, any objection, um, such as like, well, does it have good reviews? Does you know? Can I return it? What if it doesn't fit? How do I know which size is right for me? That stuff. Include all of that on the product page and then give them, give them the benefits and use that same language. If you're interviewing customers or asking for surveys from customers, include that same language and stuff into your product description, you know, working backwards from there. How did they get to the product page? Well, they probably started on, on the page or a landing page and on the homepage, you want to make it, you want to give people as many options to get to a product as possible so we, it's much easier to get people to scroll than it is to get them to click. So on a homepage, I love having more stuff. Just let them scroll through it and give them multiple options to get into a product. So you know, leading with a, a hero image and a really clear positioning statement um, is beneficial. You know, something like we do X for Y, like our product helps you know this target market achieve solve this pain or problem. Okay, at least I know I'm in the right place now. And then you know, moving on down you get them into, Hey, here's featured products. Here's featured categories. Um, here's a, a little bit about us. Just give them as many options to, to get the lay of the land, um, about what you do, who you do it for, why, and then how to find the right product, depending on how people shop. Um, and the reason being, if I'm going into a retail store, I already know, okay, leases, there are business licenses and leases signed and and these people, you know, I could see the product, and I could talk to an employee and no one is going away. You know, if I have an issue, I can come back. I have trust implicitly by virtue of walking into a store versus, you know, an online experience. Everyone knows you could just spin up a, an on, You could buy a domain name for 10 bucks, spin up a Shopify store for $30 a month. Um, you know, they, they realize it is easy. And essentially, you know, they don't know who you are or what you're about. So it's the equivalent of a guy in a parking lot popping his trunk and saying, hey, you want to buy some T-shirts? Just give me your credit card number. Like, that's really what you're asking, and it's scary to people, and it should be. So you have to first, you know, help them understand, hey, you're in the right place. This is who we are. You know, instill some confidence and trust by being a, a professional and being the face of your brand, getting out there. I think a great about page would communicate that. And then just help them, help them find their product and, and answer their questions and make it really easy to do so.
0: Yeah, this is, this is very helpful and, and definitely resonates with me because I know for a fact there were so many times when I saw a product page and it didn't have enough pictures or the images were too small, I couldn't really see the product or there wasn't enough information and I didn't want to bother with, like you said, asking the company for right. more information and just waiting for them to reply. I just went on to a different company and bought it from the other company that made it clear to me what I was getting. So that's definitely correct. But one yeah. thing I'm curious about is... Um, and. You know, I just want to make this like, um, you know, I don't want it to be like too complicated. But I, I want to get to the bottom of whether it's really true that it is more important to optimize for mobile nowadays than it is for desktop, because we all know that mobile is becoming or has become already more popular of a device to uh, search the web and shop. And a lot of times, people just use their phones; um, they don't use a desktop anymore. Well, not as often, at least. So I want to know if prioritizing mobile. Versus or tablet versus desktop is worthwhile at this point.
2: you know, I think they're I think they're both important, and I think uh, a lot of these things, a lot of the optimizations I just described will naturally occur on all devices, but it is absolutely true. A majority of customers now are going to do their browsing from their phone, and it could be a little misleading because people don't necessarily purchase from their phone, and Shopify is making strides to uh, to change that with the introduction of Shopify Pay, which I think is just a really phenomenal cool feature. But what people often do is, you know, they they cruise from their phone, they shop on their phone, on the train, on the bus, at work, in the bathroom, and then they bookmark the stuff, email to themselves, or do nothing. And that's where a great a great tactic is to have um, Facebook remarketing, so that they can then come back, go straight to the product page, and purchase that product from from a desktop when they're back to it. But no, absolutely, you you want to make sure the site works well on mobile. And two things there: number one, Shopify stores can get bloated. Where they're just they're they're huge sites and they take a long time to load, and it's because they're you know there's there's too many apps or too much um, you know a file was uploaded improperly and it ends up being too big. Nobody's fault, but it's certainly I've seen it happen enough times. And we can't rely on and assume that hey you know everybody's going to have an amazing broadband connection and they've got a new phone and it's got 5G and goes at 100 megabits because I don't care how fancy your phone is or what service you have. The moment I go on the subway and it's goes underground now suddenly i find myself on you know 3g 4g with a poor signal so you want to make sure regardless of who your customers are regardless of how you think they're using it forget that make the site as lean as possible for the situations where you have poor internet and ultimately it's going to lead to a a better customer experience i mean that's one of the the easiest ways i don't need to know anything about your site if you want to optimize for mobile build a faster website and again it used to be people would think, oh, on mobile I've got to have you know to strip everything out. No, it's easier to scroll on mobile. I use my thumb and just scroll through the thing. So I, I still think that format of longer pages, more informative pages, lends itself just as it works on desktop. I think it works just as well on mobile. Um, but you no, know, the data agrees with you uh, that a majority of a majority of people are visiting e-commerce sites from mobile first.
1: Name one e-commerce company that seems to be, quote-unquote, getting it right in terms of conversion rate optimization.
2: Okay, I'll give you one that I think is a great example because it is intentionally not totally polished and it is hugely successful. It's tacticalbabygear.com. So it's a, a Shopify Plus store and uh, it's run by a, a wonderful uh, man named Beef Brody who sells sells diaper bags. This is number one selling product is a, a diaper bag for men. That looks like it's, you know, it's got this very military look to it. I have <laughs> one. It's in like like a coyote brown is the color, I believe they call it. It's like this desert color. Super cool. I love it a lot. But they're not... I think they're on either a free theme or an old premium theme. And I there are very few sites that do do as, this, as good a business as this one.
0: This is a free theme. I think I recognize it. Yeah. And Brooklyn, yeah.
2: Yeah, on that site, one of the things we did to to optimize conversions is start um, well for, they did it on their own where they added, they added videos and they got, they made Beev the guy who owns the company, um, the face of the brand where he talks you through each product in a video. And they're not super, super polished. You know, they're just recorded on a, he stood in front of a white wall and it was recorded with a GoPro. I think he told me. So just that right there. Okay. There's nothing technical there. He just made a video answering the questions he was getting And put that up there by, you know, and made himself the face of the brand, got in front of it and busted those objections that people have. And that worked really well. And it uh, turned into a a tremendous business where he started discovering customer service problems. Where he said, he goes, he came to me and said, Kurt, I got this problem where people don't understand um, or people are missing the fact that something is back ordered or, you know, they don't understand when it ships. So ah, that's where you start. Instead of adding like random apps, features, shiny toys, gadgets, gizmos to your site, don't do that. Start with the pains or problems that people have, and then only add the stuff that solves those. So now we don't have bloated websites that take too long to load um, and unnecessary features and costs in Shopify apps. So we added um, a couple things. We did a shipping cutoff timer, so just a little bit a little bit of JavaScript. So now people understand. A lot of people buy these as gifts, and they buy them too late. We have a thing that says, hey, order, place your order within the next two hours, and it'll ship same day. So, uh, okay, that's solved solve some issues. A customer complaint was like, when does I ordered yesterday? When does my order ship? So we made it clear with them on that. And then again, they're so successful. They sell out all the time, but we still wanted, we allow people to back order, but we wanted to make it clear to them. So we just added a little bit of liquid logic. So it says, oh, in the cart, it highlights it in red, it says this item back ordered you know, to make sure the, the person understands. So that's where you know, he built it. This product again, it was, he wanted a, a diaper bag that was masculine. So he had a pain or problem for himself. He built, built it, had it manufactured, put it out there. Other people wanted to buy it. And then he started looking at, okay, what questions do people have? You know, what do they want to see? What do they want to know? All right, we'll answer those in a video. And then that way they also know him. And then you know, from there went, okay, well, what, what's stopping people? What, what objections are they having? What customer service problems are we having? Okay, now how do we optimize to fix those problems.
0: Okay. What are the characteristics of a, an enduring e-commerce business? And I'm talking, um, what we would call quote unquote, a real business as opposed to a side gig or a side hobby.
2: Well, so number one, um, a business needs to be, needs to be durable and stable and intentional. And I think, um, you know, the, the big difference is make decisions based on what fits your vision for your business, but what your customers want. And that's where it's great to be a bootstrap business you know if you' if you take money from investors oftentimes we see those businesses making decisions for because the investor wanted it making them for the investor um, so I I strongly believe that uh, in the lean startup any bootstrap business those I think they they tend to be more durable certainly they they often take longer to grow Um but I, I think mindfulness is what's most important rather than chase shiny toys, sit back and, and say, even take a vacation from your business for a couple days and think to yourself, okay, looking from the outside in, what problems are my customers having? How can I provide, you know, how can I fix those problems? Okay. And then from there, how can I provide more value to my customers? Um, and when you you change your mindset to one where you're doing things mindfully, as opposed to in this very like knee-jerk way very reactionary way, making everything very intentional. That's a big difference. Someone, a successful entrepreneur, told me, what's the difference between a six-figure business and a seven-figure business? To go from zero to six figures, you have to say yes to everything. To go from six figures to seven figures, you got to start saying no. And that really, that stuck with me. I think that's what I, you know, what we mean by by mindfulness. It's just making these decisions about, these business decisions with intention. It's also, I think it's it's hard to have, it's hard to have a side hustle and that I love side hustles, but if it's not your primary primary source of income um, and you're not totally reliant on it, it can take a backseat. So at some point, you know, I, I understand the risks, but at some point it will help you hugely to get rid of that safety net of your, your uh, 9 to 5 real job, your day job, and commit full time to your side hustle. If the listeners
1: could only take away one actionable piece of advice, what would you want it to be?
2: Every business decision you make. Ask yourself, ask yourself why you're doing it. And if it serves the vision that you have for your business, the lifestyle you want to live, and it adds value to your brand and to your customer, that intersection of stuff. You know, if we, if we had a Venn diagram of that, that's the stuff you say yes to everything else. You are allowed to say, no, I see too many people who are pushovers and I go, oh yeah, well, someone else told me that. So I'm going to do it. Or my, my competitor did this. So I have to do it too. You don't. It's your business, man. You can do whatever you want.
0: Thank you so much, Kurt. And thank you for being so thoughtful in your answers. And for our listeners who may not know this, Kurt had no idea we were going to ask him some of these questions. And I love that you took a few seconds to think about an answer for this one. We appreciate that. Thanks so much. My pleasure.
1: Kurt, if people want to find out more about you and where to go,
2: where can they do that? Google my name, Kurt Elster. Go to kurtelster.com, K-R-T-E-L-S-T-E-R. All right. Thank you for your time.
0: One-stop-shop is a production of Convergio.
1: Let Convergio's all-in-one dashboard run your marketing so that you have more time to run your business. Get started for free at Convergio.com. On our next episode, we talk to Tom Schwab from Interview Valet, all on using podcasts as an inbound marketing tool. Marketing at heart
2: is starting a conversation with somebody that could be an ideal customer. And everybody talks about how do you break up through the noise? And most people's answer is just scream louder. But the problem is, is that everybody's filtering out the noise, right? So now the question is, is not how do you break through the noise, but how do you get in on the conversation? That's where I think that podcast interviews are so powerful.
1: More on the next episode. One Stop Shop is also made in production with my company, Come Alive Creative. Do you want help creating an original podcast for your company or brand? Check us out at comealivecreative.com. And finally, please head on over to Convergio.com forward slash iTunes. Drop us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think. Convergio. Sell more. Do less.